Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 35, week 35, volume 35, number fucking 35. How you going, guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. Big show this week, as it is every week. We've got all the Mosh news. We've got Mosh reviews. And our Mosh interview this week is with Dave of Throwdown. All of that is coming up in this action-packed show. So let's kick things off like we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Big bit of news this week from Architects. They will unleash their new album, and it will be titled Holy Hell on November the 9th. To coincide with the album news, they also released the first single slash music video for the song Hereafter. Sounds like Architects are definitely running in some fine form on this song and it's great to have them back. All the troubles that have gone on with a loss of a member through death has revitalised and re-energised this band. And from what we've heard about the album and this single, it's all going to be about the grieving process and dealing process of pain and loss of a loved one. The song Hereafter is everything you expect. Massive soaring chorus, big grooves, really sexy tune. Really excited for this album. This album could really be one of the best, without a doubt, of the year. So the song is called Hereafter. The album's called Holy Hell. It is by Architects, and it's all coming out on November the 9th. German hardcore bruises Nasty have unleashed a brand new song, called Lieber. Nasty are one of those bands not a lot of Australians know of and I think they need to get educated with. It's bruising hardcore, very much in vain of Hatebreed and these kind of bands. Some songs are in English, some songs are in German, but the mosh is there. It's really easy to get into despite the cross-language feels. Really good song, Really excited that this might be the sign of a new album or a new EP on the way. So the song is called Lieber. It is by Nasty and it is out through BDHW Records. Make sure you check that out. Speaking of BDHW Records, a label mate of Nasty's called Worst, they are from Brazil, have unleashed a brand new song from their recent album. The song is called Draining Me and it is from their album Deserto and very much like Nasty. It is in your face, mosh, hardcore, very Hatebreed-esque, very metalcore tinged at times. And these guys, just like Nasty, sing in a different language at times. But for these guys, it's in Portuguese. Make sure you check it out. Really tough sounding band. Really tough looking band. Really good song. So that band is called Worst. And the song is called Draining Me off their recent album Deserto. All coming out through the label that I said is BDHW Records. Lorna Shaw have finally given us a taste of their new vocalist in their band. And the new song is called This Is Hell. There's a few things going on, as we know. Vocalists leaving one band, going to another, and Lorna Shaw ended up getting CJX Signs of the Swarm as their new vocalist. Musically, it's very much what you expect. It's very deathcore. 
it is entertaining. I think the most exciting thing is since it is a new vocalist is seeing CJ's impression and impact on this sound. It's gone to a different level. It's absolutely brutal, absolutely guttural, and pretty much makes them stand out from the rest of the Deathcore pack. Really, really excited to see if there will be an album on the way, but at least we've got something to tie us over in the meantime. So the song is called This Is Hell. It is by Lorna Shaw. Make sure you check that out. Legendary thrash band Hate Eternal have announced a new album is coming out on October 26th. It will be called Upon Desolate Sands. And they have also released a single off that, and that is called Nothingness of Being. Everything you expect of Hate Eternal, they haven't slowed down. It's still fast-paced thrash goodness in your ears. If you're into your thrash bands like Anthrax and Slayer, and you haven't quite heard who Hate Eternal are, make sure you get into them now. Perfect time. New album on the horizon. Get into these guys. They're so influential and important in the scene that bands like Cannibal Corpse constantly take them out on tour. That says enough in itself. So the new album is called Upon Desolate Sands. The new song is called Nothingness of Being and the album is coming out October 26th. Make sure you peek into that. The Tech Death Metal Wizards, Rivers of Nile, released another music video from their recent album, and it is the title track of that album called Where the Owls Know My Name. What a fucking video. Really entertaining. Something different from these guys. Kind of comes across like an acid trip, and that's intentional. These guys clearly know how to have fun with their videos, and it is really, really good song. We also reviewed that album on an earlier episode. Make sure you delve in and have a listen if you haven't heard the review yet. So the music video is called Where the Owls Know My Name. It's from the album of the same name. Make sure you check it out. It's all done by Rivers of Nile. Last bit of news this week is Australia is getting quite a stacked local show making its way around the country in December. The tour is Alpha Wolf and Justice for the Damned. They're teaming up to trek across the country. The tour will be called the Survival of the Riffest Tour. And as I said, it's taking place in December. It kicks off in Perth on the 7th of December. Then touches down in Adelaide, Melbourne, Moorlebark, Brisbane, Taree, and finishes up in Sydney on the 22nd of December. These two bands, Alpha Wolf and Justice for the Damned, without a doubt, two of the hottest properties in Australian metal. Make sure you get a ticket. Tickets are on sale now through their record label, which is grayscalerecords.oztick.com.au. Make sure you get along, make sure you get a ticket. Great bands, great lineup, great tour. So that's it for the Mosh News, done for this week. Now, any of those albums we've spoken about, any of those new songs we've spoken about, any of those music videos, any of those tours, any of the news articles we have discussed, you can find on our website and social medias. Of course, the website is www.themoshzone.com and our social medias are at The Mosh Zone and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. 
Make sure you're subscribing to the website and liking and following us on the social medias so that you can stay updated with all the news when we update you. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the debut album by Set Sights and it's called The Heavy Alternative and it's out now on Tragic Hero Records. So as I said, this is the debut album by Set Sights and what are they like musically? Well, it's kind of very groove-heavy, melodic hardcore. It's hardcore with a positive message, but this band do a little twist on that They've added a bit of a hip-hop taste and flavour on top. In parts, the album can sound familiar, but it's exciting and fresh and different on other parts. The drums on this album bounce and they are hit in a way that feels like their lives depend on it. The bass really jives and swags and fuses the songs together. Often the bass lines are left rumbling on their own with the vocals. The guitars are hardcore, they're tough and made to explode, and then at other times they're very melodic and very swooning and sweetfully played. The vocals are barking, wildly moody, a lot of passion, a lot of emotion going on here, and then the rap swagger and flow is done in an unclean vocal line, so it's really quite interesting and very engaging. Is there anything negative about this album? Not really. If you have to pick at something, it is that sometimes the songs seem to flow into each other. Now, what I mean by that is some songs are a bit too similar to the next one. You're having to double check which track you're on, but that's really nitpicking in any way if I have to find a negative. Set Sights are a band that has unlimited boundaries and unlimited potential going for themselves. Very exciting, fresh, melodic, hardcore. Set Sights could be a future big band in the hardcore scene. With the right backing and the right support, they really can go the distance. This is for fans of melodic hardcore. This is for fans of Blood Youth, Counterparts, No Bragging Rights, Sick of It All, and Madball. The album I am talking about is The Heavy Alternative. It is by Set Sights. It is out now on Tragic Hero Records, and we do give it an 8 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album by Aborted called Terror Vision, out now on Century Media Records. This is album number 10 for these guys, and if you're not sure who they are, They are the Belgium death metal legends. They're a band that, from the moment this album starts, they are not going to let you go and not going to take their foot off with the savage, brutal listening that you're about to get. Even though they're 10 albums into their career, the band still has lots of energy and is still as pissed off and fiery as ever. You can't deny that Aborted have created an A-grade death metal album and Aborted are one of the best in the game. There's blast beats, there's ferocious groove, heavy slabs of riff on top of riff, ferocious, horrifying, brutal vocals and this has everything a death metal fan wants and needs. The album is wicked and enjoyable. Aborted are filthy, furious and give no compromise on this album. 
I would say that while the trends come and go in all the different genres and while the world changes and evolves, there is a constant with Aborted and that is that they deliver in their death metal every album. There's very few death metal releases this year that stick so stringent to the formula yet sound so fresh, vibrant and vital. Really exciting, really good release. If you love your death metal, you're going to love this album. So it's for fans of death metal. It's as simple as that. If you like your death metal, get into this. The album I am talking about is Terrorvision. It is by Aborted. It is out now on Century Media Records. And we do give it a 9 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Fit for a King. It's called Dark Skies and it's out now on Solid State Records. This is album number five for the guys, and if you're not sure who they are, they are Christian Metalcore, but they are a band that you wouldn't know a Christian, but they are. What I mean by that is they don't push and preach into your ears like a lot of these other bands do that are Christian. So we've got that out of the way. We know that they're Christian. What are we in store for here? Well, this is Metalcore. It's a well-worn path and sometimes very lacklustre in imagination and energy, but Fit for a King are one of those bands that do this genre well, and they really release some of the best you'll hear in this genre. From the first time I listened to this to the last time I gave it a spin, I was constantly impressed with the album. The band have delivered on the sound, and the influences and strategies on these songs are wide and various. Everything fits perfectly into its place. Catchy riffs, really intelligent instrumentation, soaring melodies and choruses, top-notch varied screams, and big, impactful breakdowns. Every member shines on this album. This band is oozing with talent and confidence, and it's been translated into an album that is without a doubt the strongest and best so far by the guys. The album also, lyrically, is in a darker context, so there is very much a dark, moody and gloomy vibe, but there's still the uplifting, beautiful moments as well. Fit for a King have smashed this album out of the park and delivered their best yet. They have released a metalcore album that caters to what is so great and what is so enjoyed with this genre. This is for fans of Metalcore. This is for fans of Fit for a King, Miss May I, Demon Hunter, As I Lay Dying. If you want a really solid Metalcore album, this is the place to go. The album I am talking about is Dark Skies. It is by Fit for a King. It is out now on Solid State Records. And we do give it a 9 out of 10. So that's it for the Mosh Reviews. Done and dusted for this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there an album or an EP that's come out that we might have missed? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an album or an EP coming out and you'd like it reviewed on the show? Get in touch. Let us know. 
If you want to get in touch, there are many ways you can. One of those ways is through the email, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. You can also get in touch through our social medias. All of those are at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. So it's now that time of the week, and that is time for the Mosh interview. This week, I got to chat to an absolute legend, a really nice guy, and definitely a goal of mine was to have him on the show. I got to speak with Dave of Throwdown. Thank you so much, Dave, for taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Really, really appreciate it. It was a really fun chat and really good to get an insight into not only about the man himself, but his career, his passions, and where the band sits right now. All of that and more, that chat with Dave, is coming up now. So my first question always is, do you remember kind of what band or what made you discover music? Do you remember the band that you were like, ooh, I think I'm into this kind of thing? I mean, music in general, I I was so young, I, I can't really... I couldn't even tell you back when, I mean, honestly, it was probably like uh, whatever my mom would listen to on the radio. I just, as far as like getting me actually excited about music in general, it, playing it, a different story. Um, I think initially it was, uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a metal guy at heart, you know, and, and I, uh, I found hardcore because I, uh, I loved metal so much. And I remembered, you know, a friend, um, from like, I was grade school. It was like elementary school, just showing me a local band, uh, called function. Um, and I remember thinking that it sounded like Pantera without solos. And so I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is pretty tight. And, uh, and, um, but you know, I, at the time I, I, w- I would already been playing guitar for a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, bands like, like so many, like so many kids that are, or so many guys that are my age without you know, dating myself too much. Uh, I'm in my late thirties. Uh, you know, I, bands like Metallica were, were huge for me, you know, and I, I picking up like, you know, the, the tablature books and learning how to play, uh, you know, riffs on, I, I've always been kind of a riff guy more than a solo guy. So I didn't get too much into, you know, shredding and, and learning how to do all the scales and everything. But I, um, yeah, I mean, getting, uh, learning Metallica songs, um, sepultura early on i jammed with uh um god i was probably in like seventh sixth seventh grade and i remember jamming with this drummer um uh playing a bunch of stuff off of arise and and um i mean those bands i think that were kind of like riff centric and and more you know maybe more groove metal and a little bit uh you know these harder kind of sounding metal um is what you know, got me excited about playing for sure. Uh, and you know, um, and, but like actually playing in a band, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with 18 visions at all. Yes. Uh, from, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Ken there, um, he was a drummer initially and then, um, he actually played and, and throw down for a little bit too on a couple tours. And, but, um, he went on to play guitar for the band and, uh, but he and I have known each other since we were like, I don't know, three years old, two years old. You know, parents were in the same places, and um, 
And uh, so I, you know, known Ken forever, and he started playing drums, and that's kind of got what. That's the first time I really got into, you know, playing with, um, playing like in a band, you know, and actually jamming riffs with somebody else, and and um, that's when it kind of felt more real, you know, actually playing music with someone else, because yeah, it's cool jamming in your uh, garage or whatever, but being able to sit down with someone, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's exciting when you're a kid, and it's like you feel like. Like, oh, I'm doing what I see on TV, you know, on MTV at the time. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, 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 there was a lot of bands that that, that uh, we both liked mutually. And so we would learn their songs. And, you know, it was a while before we started playing stuff of our own. But, um, uh, but yeah, he and I kind of grew up together and, and sort of found music a lot together. So that, that was really cool. Now, I know that. You know, you, you dabbled in 18 Visions for a while, and as you said, you play guitar. Why, of all instruments, guitar, why was that the first that you kind of went, right, this is what I want to do? You know, I, I actually I actually played piano first um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, like really young. So I played piano and then got like a little electronic keyboard. It was the 80s, so, you know, um, <laughs> and... Uh, and, but, you know, I wasn't playing anything. I, I was all right. Like I, I was able to pick it up and I had a decent year, but at just some phase I was just, I was just kind of drawing a guitar. I think it was, um, I don't know. I think that I just realized that a lot of the songs at the, when I was so young, I, I think I started playing guitar maybe when I was about, uh, maybe nine or 10. Yeah, it was about 10. And I think that, uh, I didn't even realize at the time that the songs that I was drawn to maybe had, um, more guitars in them than I realized. And then, uh, you know, once I started hearing like, um, even like grunge bands at the time that had like cool riffs, you know, whether, whether it was like, you know, like Pearl Jam, the album 10 has like really cool guitar riffs. And uh, I mean, I know that they're kind of a different animal than they were when they first began, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, it just kind of felt like a natural gravitation toward it. My parents were super bummed. <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, you know, no one wants their kid. The only thing that kid, parents want their kid playing less than guitar is drums, you know? <laughs> and, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I picked up a, a Charvel, uh, begged my parents to get me a used Charvel, uh, with a reverse headstock. And, um, uh, yeah, I started taking music lessons from, um, couple different guys the same guy that start, that taught me some piano uh actually played guitar too so i learned some things from him but he he was kind of like uh, he, was a, he was an off guy he was, <laughs> he was a he was like a little weird guy like in a van that would kind of like come to the houses and teach you how to play guitar you know or teach <laughs> you how to play piano so it wasn't like you went to a studio somewhere where that where they would uh you know um where you'd sit in like a class or whatever um uh in hindsight, it's kind of funny, like the CD van would roll up and then, you know, my parents would be like, hey, you know, this guy for an hour. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I kept wanting to learn like a lot of a lot of more um, kind of riff centric songs. And and I uh, I don't know, I wasn't really crazy about music theory. I, I didn't get into, you know, learning um, scales and modes and and all these things early on, um, which I think is common for most kids, you know, it's like, it's pretty rare that you, that a kid gets excited about like, you know, what I think most kids want to learn songs and be able to go, Hey, I could play this song. You know what I mean? And, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I went to a couple of guitar teachers and, um, uh, 
learned some uh, Slayer riffs uh, at some point, <laughs> learned some a uh, lot more Metallica riffs, and then I started picking some stuff up on my own. I remember playing... <clears throat> I remember playing, uh, my parents never wanted to hear any of the metal stuff I played, but I remember early on I would pl- I played uh, uh, Queensryche, Silent Lucidity, and, they, and that was like, you know, it's like that real mellow, like little like acoustic part or whatever, and they were like, oh, you could actually play the guitar, like it's a- it actually sounds good, and I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, thanks, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, that's how I remember rambling, I just, uh, um, so, I mean, <laughs> in high school, were you... You know, like a lot of us that are into the heavier music, when we're in high school, we kind of maybe associate ourselves with that style of music. So were you an alternative kid or a heavy metal kid during your high school years? No, I mean, I uh, like the, the straight edge crowd in, in Orange County was kind of its own clique. And um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I hung out with, I was pretty, I was cool with like a lot of different people in high school and in junior high. Um, but I was also kind of, I was also a little bit of a nerd, like not insofar as like, uh, I wasn't like, you know, into nerdy shit. I was just, I, I, I did well in school. Like I, 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 you know, I graduated, you know, like the top, like, I don't know, 20 in my class. At, and, and, um, I was kind of like, you know, I never missed school. <laughs> I was like, kind of like, I, I never would ditch. I would just always, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to be there and, and, and learning, you know? So, uh, I, I, I had kind of different in those classes. I had different friends that I would hang out with and, and do music with. Um, and Ken and I were both in, and, you know, he's a, he's a year older than I am, but, uh, you know, we were in some of the same, um, uh, you know, social circles and, and also in some of the same like kind of classes and things. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, hung out with a lot of the straight edge guys and, um, but I was also cool with like, um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really hang out with many jocks though. Uh, the, the, the jock, like it was like the jock thing wasn't, it was more like, uh, the, you know, the school council kind of crowd or whatever. And, um, yeah, I was friendly with everybody, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I hung out mostly with the straight edge guys, uh, for all of high school. And, um, you've, you've, you've always associated and been labeled as straight edge, which I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, but what made you discover it? And do you feel like sometimes being labeled that some people would just be deterred? Because I don't think that's, Unfortunately, we get labeled whatever we are, but I think some people like to throw that label around like it's a negative thing. Um, and I'm, you know, I've been sober for a while now, I've been off drugs for a while now, and I have a lot of respect and love for people that can take that life and lead it for as long as they can. So why did you discover it? And was it ever thrown at you negatively? Yeah, I mean, it, it was... Uh, yeah, it was probably like, I think it was 1992 when I first, um, and again, I, I keep mentioning Ken, but you know, he and I, again, found so much music and, um, different things in our youth together. So it was like, he, uh, I, I started finding those hardcore bands and, and, you know, that subculture of straight edge hardcore is so, um, interwoven and not that every, you know, straight edge kid isn't hardcore and, and, and vice versa, but. Uh, especially in Orange County, it was 
that was kind of the case. So, um, you know, predominantly, uh, you know, straight edge crowd, um, in, uh, um, at hardcore shows at the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I was just never drawn to, um, you know, drinking. I mean, yeah, I tried it and, uh, I, you know, smoked weed a little bit when, um, I was younger, but, you know, I never, uh, it just didn't, I don't know. It just never clicked for me. It never felt like I was never stoked to like sneak out and go do those things. And, and, um, and, you know, I think also just having, I didn't maybe realize it at the time. And in hindsight, it seems a little clearer, but, uh, you know, I had like on both sides of my, uh, of my parents' family, they, their, their parents had drinking problems that really affected them adversely, you know? And, um, I mean, I didn't get to, I didn't get to meet my, uh, dad's dad, my, uh, my grandfather. Um, or if I did, I was, you know, an infant and he died pretty early on. And, and a big part of that was attributed to his, his drinking and, um, uh, you know, he ended up having a heart failure, but, you know, I, um, I don't know. I think that it just never felt, uh, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I think unfortunately for a lot of people, straight edge even today um maybe more so today people kind of uh some straight edge kids get this sort of superiority complex like because they don't do this or that that they're better than someone else and you know it's it's just such a personal choice and it really doesn't have anything to do with um with anyone else but you you know mm. um and I mean, it does in so far as that, you know, being straight edge is, is, you know, I think that the, the, the principle is to lead a life that's better for yourself and, and, and for the people that you care about and that care about you. Uh, but I don't know, I think that that gets misguided at times. And, you know, in, in the nineties too, it was a little difficult as far as being, like you mentioned, being labeled and having it be a negative thing. Um, you know, there was kind of, uh, there were a lot of negative, uh, you know, things that came out of, of, of hardcore and straight edge. And I'm sure that you could you probably find them on YouTube now, but there was a handful of like new specials on, on straight edge and hardcore in different areas of the country. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of violence that happened in the hardcore scene among straight edge kids in Salt Lake city. So in my you know later teen years and, and, you know, maybe just as I was getting in my twenties, that was really prevalent. And I think that, um, you know, I think that even at, at some point, uh, you know, various police departments and um, other law enforcement agencies had, you know, straight edge uh, tagged as a, as a gang, you know, because there was so much violence coming out of that. And, um, you know, that was really unfortunate. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some, you know, I mean, it, you go to shows, whether they're hardcore or a metal show or I mean, you know, hell, if you go out on a Saturday night and you're young and there's, you know, there's always a potential for uh an altercation to happen if if you know if people are <laughs> looking for it but i don't know it, it, it was a bummer because i think it's such a positive thing and, and overall a positive uh um you know uh subculture of, of straight edge and hardcore uh got this kind of bad name because of these more isolated incidents or these places in the country uh where where bad shit was happening and um yeah. So, I mean, I never ran into it too much. I was never like, uh, I don't know. I mean, we, it's funny, like, uh, actually it, it was really bad. It, it, one of the places I don't have to mention before, but in Salt Lake, it was, it was where it was pretty bad. And, and, um, 
uh, it, we had uh, a lot of our friends in our, you know, in high school. Um, and I can't remember how we connected with those guys, but when, when I was in playing guitar in 18 visions, um, with, uh, you know, James and Ken were in the band at the time. And, um, yeah, you know, the first show we ever, I ever played like outside of the state was in 18 visions and we went to Salt Lake city and, um, it was, uh, it was right during that time where there was kind of a heightened violence and, and, uh, you know, you know, police agencies and whatever were sort of t- keeping a close eye on, on that, on straight edge kids in that area of the country. And, um, yeah, before we even got to play the show in, in Salt Lake, um, the Salt Lake City uh, Gang Task Force unit showed up in the um, uh, in the club with in full riot gear and just circled the entire perimeter of the um, the the club. I mean, like shoulder to shoulder with. I mean, they had the you know the protective shield thing and all that, and. <laughs> and just shut the show down because I guess oh. I don't know maybe a weapon or something had been snuck in there or I don't I don't know but um so you know we drove all the way out there I, I was I think 16 years old and um James and Ken and I all all were about the same age and uh and you know our first show got shut down and but you know that that's like a you know obviously a negative thing that happened but on the positive end of it was that enough people were able to come together and make that show still happen um you know just down the street at like uh, a practice rehearsal studio so uh you know it was cool that people you know cared enough to you know still make that happen for guys that you know sort of travel a long ways and people that were really anticipating a show that they uh wouldn't otherwise get to see you know so um yeah i don't know it, it, it it's tough like with anything when there's a label when there's a name it's like there's certain things are going to come with that, you know what I mean? But, um, uh, I think for the most part though, uh, you know, people, uh, people see, see it for what it is, uh, and, and are more quick to like, I'm not quick, I'm sorry, are are more prone to, um, you know, I mean, get to learn like, like about the person behind that label versus just, you know, the fact that they have it, you know? So you mentioned their 18 Visions, and I know you play guitar very short in 18 Visions, but you play guitar in 18 Visions. Was that the first band you really started in? Was there any bands after high school for a while there, or was 18 Visions the real band you started in? Um, yeah, that was pretty much... I mean, I, I played in a couple of bands with... Uh, I mean, we had like kind of a band that was sort of like a precursor to 18 visions before we started that. And, but that was like, that was like the first real band where we played, uh, um, you know, we played a local, like, I think it was a skating rink or something. Um, but that was 95. I think that the 18, that we started 18 visions, uh, me, Ken and James. And then, yeah, I was only in it for a couple few years. Uh, and then, uh, you know, obviously the band went on and did awesome stuff. And I, I, I became so like, I think I became more and more a fan of that band as it went on and to do to, you know, I know that a lot of bands when they find like kind of, or when they make maybe more radio friendly songs, people sort of turn their nose up. Um, but I, I really love that stuff that they put out when it was, you know, these really kind of, um, glam rock. 
yeah i mean but yeah it was it had great great riffs that self-titled record that they put out had awesome riffs and, and um was just put together so well man and i would i i would have loved to see that band just blow up huge you know and they did really well on the record but i just i always thought that they could do i always thought that they did kind of deserve more for what that record was than than the attention it achieved but um uh, but yeah, I, I've I've known those guys for for years and, and decades. Some of them, and um, uh, yeah, I, I did that band in, early on, um, and then afterward, in my I want to say I was maybe for maybe like a year before I started playing guitar and Throwdown, I played guitar in a band called Kane, and um, we've it, we've uh, we've tried to I've tried to find the demos that we did, but. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think who else was in it that maybe it went on to other bands. I don't know that the other guys did do it, did any other bands after that, but, um, uh, yeah. So, um, b- before I ended up playing guitar and throwdown, I, I did that for a little bit. And then, I mean, then, then throwdown was pretty much the, you know, the kind of center of things for me with music after that point. An interesting thing I, I remember with you with 18 Visions and then with Throwdown was kind of while you were still in Throwdown, Brandon of Bleeding Through fame joined. And then when you came into Throwdown, Brandon left Throwdown. Um, did you, if, I, if I'm if i going in the right way with that time frame, I think, but there was a bit of a, you know, because all you bands were Orange County mates or you knew each other um yeah yeah it was was that something how was your time with brandon did you end up forming a friendship during those years or was that just like a random touch base kind of situation you know i can't remember how brandon got into 18 visions um my memory's so shit now i i can't re- <laughs> uh, i'm trying to think of who was playing Brandon came into 18 visions real, really early on and, and, and was playing guitar and yeah, he was playing in, in both bands, I think at, for a period. And then at some point he started bleeding through and then went on to just do that. Mm. Uh, and, and so, but yeah, I came into Throwdown when Brandon left, um, left that band and yeah, it wasn't any sort of dynamic, like, like, you know that we couldn't be in a band together or anything. <laughs> but, no, no, I didn't um, think that at all. I was just like, but, I find it very interesting how all you bands, Eighteen Visions, Throwdown, Bleeding Through, a lot of you bands were all very intertwined back in those days. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and you know, and obviously Keith played in in both uh, Throwdown and Eighteen Visions for a period, and did Death by Stereo too for a while, and um, and then Ken in both. Uh, 18 visions and most people don't know he didn't play on a record but he did go out and do a few tours and was really kind of in the band he was sort of a drummer throwdown for this brief period um yeah it, it, out here it was like we all kind of knew each other and and you know i don't know these 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 bands would sort of form and just uh um you'd be hanging out and have this idea or people would have like a mutual affinity for a certain you know subgenre of hardcore metal and go like, hey it would be cool if we started this style of band and then they would sort of form and it was easy to get shows because everybody was friends and you know it was only like nine guys playing in this in the same <laughs> three or four bands in the whole bill so it was like uh it was it was pretty easy um but yeah it was it was always it's always been that way and and um 
uh, it's kind of cool in that regard. Uh, I think that um, it's kind of interesting to sort of look back on that and see how there's like these Venn diagrams of, of, of bands that have all these overlap of members and, and um, you know, in some cases you can listen and hear like, like, Oh yeah, you wouldn't think a band like, you know, uh, throw down and, death by stereo would have much in common aside from playing shows and knowing each other. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Keith, like, you know, had a, has a very style, has a very specific style, the way he writes riffs and you could hear that in both bands. And it, it was, it's really cool. I think that, you know, um, that kind of shaped the, this overall sound and the, and the sort of vibe, I guess, from Orange County hardcore at, at that time, you know? And when you started out and throw down, I've got, I've got all the albums here. I've got, um, hang on. Dead. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, it's I've got Beyond Repair as well, but yeah, I've got everything except one EP. But um, you started out your first. Uh, it's, good. it's good you don't have that EP. I know which one it is, and oh boy, I'm really happy it's not there. I could could never <laughs> find it. I could never find it. Um, that's not that's not by mistake either. We just we made sure that we, the, not no more of those got made. That was Face the Mirror, <laughs> wasn't it? That was the one that had the cover on it as well. I think. Well, you you cut out, but I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I didn't hear the name of it. I don't know. Face the mirror. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. But yeah, you started out and you were playing guitars on "Drive Me Dead" and then the album "You Don't Have to Be Blood to Be Family." And yeah. what was it? What was the band like at that time? Were you guys getting a lot of shows? Were you kind of were you building a fan base? Because not. I know what happened once you kind of blew on the scene with um, Haymaker and stuff, but during that period, was there much success, if you'd call it that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was, um, as far as hardcore shows went, uh, before I got in the band, the, the, the band was headlining, you know, shows off of uh, Beyond Repair, um, you know, in like 99, I can't remember what, 98, 99. Uh, it started, you know, it only started a year before that, '97. Um, but I think I came in in '99, and and I was playing. I learned a bunch of Beyond Repair songs. I wasn't on that record, and then uh, sort of, you know, kind of jumped into it. I think the last show that Brandon had on guitar and Throwdown was a Halloween show at Chain Reaction in Anaheim, in maybe it, it's had to have been '99 because I don't think I came in. It might have been '98. But at any rate, it, it, it doesn't matter. But uh, um, yeah, the, the band had huge hype at that time. And it, it was really cool for me because I had, you know, I was, we were still relatively young, but I had, I had done 18 Visions and that, and 18 Visions had gained a lot of traction. A lot of people were super into the shows and, and had done well. And I was stoked to have the opportunity to play a guitar for Throwdown. And I, and I really liked all those dudes and, um, you know, that were in the band at the time. And it, it was cool to, it, it was really cool to come into that and, and start playing. And, um, but yeah, the, the shows were great. I mean, it, it was already really moving and, and kind of taken off. So, um, I was stoked to be able to play shows off of that, that, you know, I, I hate to call it a record cycle cause it was like just a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids, but you know, off that album cycle, we were playing the, um, uh, beyond repair songs and then sat down and did that drive me dead EP afterward. I don't know. I don't think I wrote anything on Drive Me Dead. I have to go back and listen to it. It's been literally probably 10 years since I've listened to any of the songs on that EP. But uh, yeah, it wasn't until You Don't Have to Be Blood where I started uh, kind of you know, sort of feeling comfortable because it's like 
it was a tight knit group of, of guys that were friends kind of before I had met them. We'd sort of been in different circles and in hardcore and then kind of, kind of met each other through shows and, and, and whatnot. And, um, uh, but yeah, we always liked each other. So it was cool coming to the band, but I, I just never felt like it was kind of like this easing in period when you, if you join a band that's already somewhat established and, um, uh, you know, granted the band had only done a demo and, well, the demo and seven inch and then the drive me dead full length, you know, it still like took a while for me to go like, oh, Hey, this is kind of how I write riffs. This is what I do. And, and trying to integrate that without changing things, you know what I mean? But, um, but, you know, the whole point of having, you know, if you, if you get somebody, you know, new in a band, you want them to, you don't want them to do whatever the, the guy before them did, you know, you, they, you, you've got to be able to do what you do, uh, well, and what you're comfortable with. Otherwise it just, it just, it's never going to work. The dynamic won't work. The sound uh, will sound contrived and you, you know, you don't want to try and replicate what somebody else did. And, and so, um, yeah, I think once I felt comfortable, you know, going like, Hey, you know, this is, this, this is how I write songs. Um, it's, it's a little different maybe than Keith does, but it's still in the same vein. And, um, then, you know, come the, uh, the family record, uh, you know, I, I did a couple songs or maybe some riffs for different songs in there. And, um, and yeah, like really kind of felt like for me, that record kind of felt like, like more home, you know what I mean? Like I, like I felt more comfortable in the band and felt like I had really kind of become a part of it. I played, I played uh, countless shows up until that point, but it wasn't, and, and recorded that EP prior, but, uh, that was a record where I really kind of felt like, um, you know, a part of the band, you know? Mm. And then, and then the big one was, well, the transition for you was then you switched over to vocals um, and then you became the frontman. And, you know, was that a lot of just had to do it or was that like you wanted to be the vocalist? Like how did that transition come about for you? It, it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny it, or, you know, kind of weird, but, um, uh, yeah, to be honest, what happened was, um, you know, Keith was, I mean, you know, again, it's like we were all young and it's just like anybody who wanted to sing for a hardcore band, if they, if they could yell, you know, I mean, anybody could do it. And that's kind of, I think, part of what makes, you know, more primitive sounding hardcore like Throwdown had been, up, you know, for so long. Uh, so great, too, is that it, it, the simplicity of it, it's just like... Um, you know, I mean, I, not that not that just anybody can do it, but you know, if if you if you have that kind of you know passion, something to say, it's like that comes before the ability to be able to sing, you know, like uh, sing well versus you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. I, I, I uh, you know, I what had happened was uh, Keith was just blowing his voice out constantly, show after show, and just felt like he couldn't do it anymore. And um, <laughs> so what what the guys kind of decided was, well, hey. Keith is going to play guitar now for the band because Keith's always been a guitar player and we're going to find a new singer. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, wait, so uh, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> and they're like, ah, yeah, about, about that. Uh, yeah. So you're not going to play guitar anymore uh, and, and we're going to find a singer. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Like, you know, you guys, Keith can't sing anymore, so. But, so he gets to play guitar and I got to leave. Like, that doesn't seem right. You know, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, another time, you know, it wasn't as much of a, a comical thing as it, as it is now. Cause I was, I was bummed, you know, it's mm. like, I, I had, 
like I said, I had gotten to this point where I really felt, you know, part of the band. And, um, uh, you know, I was really close friends with Dom at that point. And we were, um, you know, taking some classes and stuff together too. And, and, um, yeah, it was a bummer. And I was just like, ah, fuck, you know, like I, um, you know, I was, I was super bent on it and, and they had actually, I don't know. I can't remember what they did as far as trying out other singers went, but, um, actually, no, I do. Um, uh, two of them, at least I know of, I can't remember if there's anybody else, but, um, Matt Mentley, who, uh, you know, as seldom as I do, um, you know, shows anymore or whatever, but Matt who plays bass in the band, you know, currently, if we were to you know, do anything and who's still a you know really great friend and, and, um, awesome dude that I've, I'm really happy that I've, you know, been in touch with over the years. He, he had always kind of been filling in for Keith when he was, uh, um, when Keith would be out with 18 visions. So, um, Matt, uh, had a great voice too and had sang for like a local band in South County. And, um, he tried out, but I don't think that he was able to like sing for that long. It was like, you know, he had a great voice for like 90 seconds. Then he was just like blown out. So he tried out to, to sing for the band. And then, um, uh, Ryan Downey that sang for Burn It Down. I don't know if you guys are as familiar with yeah. them out there, but um, and who is uh, you know, my best friend. I mean, he, he was in my uh, uh, wedding. Um, he's, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I pretty much met him and found him through hardcore, but we, uh, you know, developed a um, really good friendship over the years, and he ended up managing Throwdown um, uh, later in 2004. But um, anyway, he, they had uh, Downey tryout for the band as well, and he was just like, "Ah, you know, man, like, like, I, it just doesn't feel right, like, kind of the circumstances, the way it's going." And um, at some point, I can't remember. I was like, "Hey, look, you know, I, I, you know, I, I this doesn't sound. This is no offense, but this doesn't seem like rocket science. I think this is something I could do, and I think I've got a decent enough, decent enough voice to do it." And so I tried out for the band and uh, I tried out for the band I was in uh, <laughs> happened pretty much. But I was like, Hey, look, you know, like I want to be a part of this band. Um, and uh, I think there's a part of me too, that like saw that if, uh, you know, cause I was, I was pretty soured by it, like the way that it had panned out. And I think that none of those dudes in, in, you know, 2018 or 2008 for that matter would have handled that situation the same way. But, you know, back then I was like, ah, oh, this, this blows, you know? So I just, I wanted to be able to remain in the band. And so I was, I was, you know, like, Hey, let me, let me take a crack at this. And it worked out and it was cool. And, and I ended up singing for it. And, um, and to be honest with you, I, 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 I mean, I love guitar. I love songwriting. And, um, but as far as, you know, performing goes, um, I really do prefer singing for a band than, than over playing guitar. I think a big part of that though, too, is just not having gear. You know what I mean? I don't have to lug <laughs> shit around, like <laughs> plug things in, worry if my pedals aren't working, worry if somebody's going to step on your pedals. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I really took to it and, and, and liked it a lot. And, and, um, uh, you know, in in retrospect, I'm, I'm stoked that that transition happened as, as weird and kind of rocky as it was at the time it gave me an opportunity to do something that maybe I wouldn't have done otherwise, you know, because it was like, I was kind of forced to, to, to do it in a way, because if I wanted to continue playing music with that band that I'd, I had grown to really love, then, um, uh, you know, that was the way it was going to happen. And so I did. And, um, and yeah, and then I started singing for, I started singing the old songs, uh, with Keith playing guitar 
it was a, it was a fairly short period. I can't remember how long, but it uh, it was around two thousand, like maybe two thousand three, um, that I started singing it, or because Haymaker came out in two thousand three. So it, was, it wasn't that long before Haymaker, and we started. You know, we played some songs where it's kind of the same thing we did with Beyond Repair. Like I was playing, you know, guitar parts that I hadn't written, and I was came in and I started singing, you know lyrics that I hadn't um, written myself to uh, that were Keith's. So it was, um, you know, fortunately enough, I think that we all believed enough in the same things to where it wasn't like I was, you know, singing these songs that really didn't resonate with me at all. Or, you know, it, it really felt natural and it felt good. And they were songs that I got behind as, as a guitar player and just as a guy and a friend of everybody too. So, uh, um, you know, it felt really good. It was, it was a, it was a cool overall it ended up being a really good transition i'm I'm glad it happened i'm really glad it happened now haymaker really kind of kind of blew up it felt like i mean that album's now in many people's eyes kind of a pivotal hardcore album um you've got the probably all-time classic song that you guys you know whenever you play if you play again you always have to play which is forever um was I thought you were gonna say baby got back, but okay. Well, yeah, well, you can always throw that in as a spicer <laughs> at the end. That's the encore song. Um, right, yeah. But I mean, was was it really a breakthrough for you guys? Because it did seem like you were then playing Ozfest, you were playing bigger shows. Um, that was also we have to admit that was when I think the music industry was a bit brighter in those years. I don't think it's as bright now. But do you think that was kind of the breakthrough for you guys that album? Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, and I, I mean, it's harder for me to see that way. I think I, mean, I think it's, it's probably harder for the for bands in general to see it that way. But um, if since it was you know this kind of new chapter for me in the band in general, I, I guess I kind of saw it through that lens. Um, but I, I, yeah, overall, I think that it it um, you know, like you said, that the music industry was in a, is in a different place at that time, and and uh, um you know, heavy metal was kind of having this resurgence and there was the whole new wave of American heavy metal thing. And and we did get on Ospes that, that year in 2004. And, um, yeah. So, I mean that, I think, I think that record and the touring that followed, it really kind of changed things a lot for the band so far as opportunities and exposure. And, um, yeah, it was weird. I mean, we, uh, we were playing kind of more, doing support for metal bands playing Ozfest, and a lot of hardcore bands were kind of um you know a lot of the streams were being crossed at that time um uh, which was great and uh it, you know it um it, it it was it was cool it was it was uh it, it was kind of the start of something new for the band i think it was kind of like uh um it was sort of a resurgence and 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 i think that it uh i mean for me it felt good too because it, it sort of um you know, I mean, it was a while, but I, as, as a singer, I mean, even though I, I got to, I felt comfortable enough to get up on stage, which was, you know, and, and do it in front of people, having, having never done it before, um, and for people who had kind of expectations um, of the band already, I still never really felt secure in it, you know, for, for a while. It took like a long, it took a, a good bit of touring and a good bit of shows before you really feel, um, you know, kind of comfortable in a new role you know and uh it, it um i don't know i think for me personally it, it felt good because it sort of it it 
you know, it, it validated that for me and, and, and having gone and kind of taken that on and being like, Oh, cool. Like people, people dig this and that, you know, it's different than it was. And, and obviously there's a ton of backlash too. I mean, it, it, it's so funny now because it's like the way we see old records, people, I think about the way that they were, people responded to them at the time, you know? And I know that tons of bands go through this, but it's just like, I remember when, when Haymaker came out and there was such a backlash from a lot of more, you know, maybe purist hardcore kids that it was, you know, Oh, this is too metal and it's not what it was. And it's, it's, you know, it's going down a different road and I don't like it anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny because in hindsight now it's like, there's this like, people have a nostalgia about that record as being our more hardcore record. It's just, and, you know, it's just kind of comical, like that it, how things change and how time changes things as well. And, and, um, and the same for Vendetta. I mean, when Vendetta came out, it's the same thing. Um, and yeah, it's like each record, you know, I, I guess the, the, a big, you know, a function of that is, is time, you know, time elapses and then, and you start to see things, uh, um, you know, through that lens of nostalgia and, and, and what, a record maybe meant, you know, to you at that time and going, Oh, you know, like it was more important than I thought maybe, you know what I mean? It was a bigger part of my life than I thought. And so then, you know, you kind of latch on to it um, in a way that maybe you hadn't when it first came out or, or when it was, uh, you first heard it at the, at the time. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it, it was, um, it was a big, it was a, it was a huge time. I mean, Ozfest was the biggest and most exciting, uh, you know, tour we had done. Um, probably to date, you know, so it was, uh, um, that was killer. There was just, uh, you know, I, I, I look back on that, on that couple of years is, um, you know, some, probably a couple of my favorite of, of, in the history of the whole band, you know, um, which, you know, granted there's been obvious long lapses, including now, uh, <laughs> which has been, you know, over 20 years now since, um, the actual inception of the band prior to me getting into it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, and I look back on that timeline. I think that, that those couple of years were really important and really fun, and, and and on a personal note, like kind of kind of the best, you know. For mm. me. And I think it's really interesting what you touched on about backlash because it was, I mean, you released those two albums, Haymaker and Vendetta, after each other, and they were they were hardcore, no matter what some people were saying if they're purists or not. And then. You know, I liked the next two albums. I really enjoyed them, um, Venom and Tears and Deathless. But it was, if I remember correctly, the, the reaction was just, what the fuck? I mean, people yeah. people, <laughs> people got insulted like someone had said, I've had sex with your mum. I mean, it was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, no, yeah. <laughs> and and people, It was, yeah, you know, it's funny because it's like, I, we think about the... Um, <laughs> it's like you know venom and tears was almost like uh and deathless were both like uh, oh you thought that you were pissed about the last record now <laughs> it's like a it was like a hold my beer kind of uh, moment yeah you know? <laughs> or whatever not not hold my beer i can't i can't you can't say that you know if you're, if, when you're a straight edge man uh but you know what i'm saying like mm. it was like uh it was like a bigger step but no i mean uh, it was um yeah well, there was a hell of a lot of backlash to that and uh uh, it's funny because I think that there's probably a substantial amount of kids that are familiar with the band, um, you know, and, and the history that are um, that might kind of like compartmentalize these different eras of, you know, OK, when Keith sang for the band, the records before Haymaker, 
um, Haymaker Vendetta, and then Venom and Tears and Deathless. But for people that were kind of maybe followed the band more closely, um, I mean, we even have people that go, hey, Deathless is crap. Uh, Venom and Tears was my favorite record. And everything before that, I, you know, might as well be fart in a can, you know, it, wow. it, and it's like, okay. and, and so it's just, it's, it's interesting how so many people have this kind of different perception. And then when it was sort of like a return to form or like, you know, kind of, uh, I, I wanted to do something that was when we did intolerance, um, you know, a few years ago, uh, I, I wanted it to be kind of a return to form and, and, and be more like, um, uh, haymaker and vendetta in a lot of ways but without you know shining all the all the things we loved about deathless and um venom and tears but you know it was really more stripped down it was kind of a raw record it was just hard you know and uh um it's funny though because then that record came out and then you, we had uh, a bunch of people that didn't that had only gotten into the band you know maybe in 2008 2009 and the records they were familiar with were Venom and Tears and Deathless. And maybe they only saw us headlining one of those records or doing support for a metal band. So we put that record out and they're like, this is caveman shit. Like, I don't want to hear this, you know? And it's just, it, I mean, you get when you're younger and when you're putting your all of yourself out there and and when it's your livelihood too, it is frustrating. I mean, it's like it, it's it's fucking brutal. You know what I mean? And I can't imagine for bands, for young bands too, I have nothing but sympathy for them because it's like you know uh music is ubiquitous on the internet now and it's like you know they always say don't read the comments but it's just like oh, i feel bad for these young bands now where mm. it's just like every little thing you do every song you put out every change that happens it's just it's immediately under this you know bright light of uh you know skepticism and, and criticism and and um it, it wasn't quite as bad back back then you know 10 well, years ago yeah because it wasn't social media that's the only reason yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that was a huge part of it. I mean, we had MySpace, but you know, it was a different <laughs> era, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Um, it, it now it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, with the benefit of kind of age and a li- maybe a little bit of wisdom, and 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 also with a fondness for those eras for the good things that happened in them versus the, you know, the backlashes and the criticisms and whatever. It was. Uh, it's funny to see how, I mean, you can't please all the people all the time and nor should you try, but it's really funny to see how that happened. And so it's like every time now, like, I mean, when we put intolerance out, we, we saw it coming. Like we, we, you know, I, um, you know, Ryan Downey, uh, that I mentioned before, um, you know, he was very close to that record. Cause it was kind of like this sort of comeback record it had been so long since we had done deathless. It was just kind of a revisit of the band, you know what I mean? Cause it had just been, you know, uh, kind of in park for so long um and both of us were just laughing just knowing like okay we're gonna do this record that everybody thinks they want you know what i mean like like and there had been kind of a lot of clamoring of like oh hey like you know do a do a tour where you play only haymaker songs a lot of bands were kind of starting to do that you know and um and you know i was kind of like oh you know i'd I'd really love to write this kind of record that's kind of more in that vein that is is kind of just harder and more raw and, and i did that with intolerance but i just i knew for sure that there would be you know, as much as it might be appreciated and in, in, in being kind of nostalgic for some of the people that were that, that Haymaker was important to it. I knew there would be backlash and there was, you know, but um, it was also to a lesser degree because we weren't I was you know, we weren't giving the record a, a huge push. We weren't trying to go tour on it. I wasn't trying to make a livelihood out of it. Um, it was just uh, 
you know, it was done um, purely because just just yeah, it was just something you know really the guy I wanted to do, and so we uh, we made it happen, and and um, uh, you know we did it, but it it, it uh, uh, yeah, it, it's always funny to see how people respond. You just you can't you can't control it. You can't. It, you just got to kind of be entertained by it. You know. And like you said, I mean, intolerance kind of felt like back as a passion project kind of thing because there was quite a wait between Deathless and that. It was about five years. You released Intolerance. Um, you didn't really play any shows. I think you played one or two, maybe. Um, was was that around the time that in that period to leading up to Intolerance and then after it that kind of it was like maybe we slow down music and we make it a thing that when it has meaning and purpose, it's worth it. Um, and it wasn't really on the grind anymore kind of thing. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, for sure. Actually, there was, there was a major, uh, in 2010 was when we really kind of decided to stop doing the band, um, you know, for lack of a better word, professionally, but it, you know, it was no longer going to be a career. It was kind of just like, Hey, we're going to really pump the brakes and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, do what we will with it. But th- that wasn't even on the radar at the time of, of doing something in the future. It was almost kind of like this, um, the band had been through so many changes and, and it just, I don't know. I think that, um, at the time the guitar player, Mark, he was the one that kind of initiated of like, Hey, you know, uh, I, I did this, this touring just gotten to be too much and it really had gotten to be too much for, for all of us, I think, and trying to live that life. And, you know, I was, uh, turned 30 then and and i think that maybe you know mark was just kind of the first one to say what we all kind of knew we had to do which was just sort of not pull the plug all together but just like slow we had to do something yeah it, it just you know um it was getting harder the band the band didn't have the same um you know attention and enthusiasm from people maybe that it did before and uh i think that um well, I don't know. That's true, and it's not. I think that it, it had a different kind of enthusiasm. Um, it's funny because, well, it's it's not funny. I feel really bad that this went down this way, but uh, you know, at the time when when Mark said he wanted to stop touring, um, we had just booked a tour with doing support for Five Finger Death Punch, who even at the time was like a huge, a huge band. I mean, they were really starting to to get. Uh, I mean, now they're massive, but um, they're really starting to get big at that time, two thousand ten. And it really sucked because we were, you know, while we were all kind of ground down and, and worn out and, you know, missing our families and wanting to be home, <coughs> that tour was such a huge opportunity and uh, we were stoked to do it. And, and um, it was a bummer because, you know, Mark had come and said, hey, look, th- th- this is this is my time to stop. I- I've just got to do it. And so there was some contention there and we were a little pissed about that. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if it didn't stop, then it would have stopped you know, two months later, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, um, that was kind of that big, uh, that was when the real shift was, was in, in 2010. It was after doing some support of, of deathless and, um, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a big change. I mean, it was, it was, it was a huge change, but it, I think, uh, um, it, you know, I, I'm, again, it's one that I'm glad, I'm glad happened. You know what I mean? Mm. You don't see them, you don't see these kind of things for what they are at the time. But, um, uh, you know, over time you, you look back and go, okay, this was something that needed to happen and it really needed to happen at that time. So, I mean, it took five years for intolerance. Are we looking at another 
five years for another thing? Are, we, are, you, are you guys <laughs> Maybe. going to so do a, a hip-hop hip -hop covers album next? <laughs> well, if you look on, on Spotify, there's like a they've, they've confused us with another throwdown that's like, a, I don't know if it's like club music or something. <laughs> But at um, any rate, they're falling under us as an artist. So it's kind of funny that the first thing you see on there is uh, is, is whatever they are. Um, and uh, <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know what we would do next. You know, I, I, um, I think Intolerance did come out in 2014. So, mm. yeah, I mean, shit, next year's 2019. Um, I definitely want to put out another record. Uh, um, I mean, you said covers. and That's kind of funny because I, I I've. You know, Mentley and I have always wanted to do a covers record, and it's not anything I've talked to him about more recently. But it's one of those things that, like, we always talked about it during when the band was was moving and then we were doing things and we were touring. Like, oh, we gotta we gotta make time and put this this covers record together. And then Hatebreed ended up putting out for the Lions, and we're like, oh, fuck, this is like, I mean, every band, every band. It's not like we were the only one thinking of doing a covers record for Christ's sake, but it, but you know, every band in that kind of scene would want to do that. And Hatebreed you know as they always do made it happen and did it and it was just it was awesome and i still listen to that that covers record mm -hmm. to it um and uh i'd still really like to do that because it's one of those things where since we were such a significantly smaller and and um you know younger i guess younger band we we couldn't make the time for that you couldn't you couldn't stop touring for three months and whatever and, and record those songs we didn't have access to um you know do them ourselves at the time um so uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to do that at some point, but then again, it'd also be kind of weird to not put a to not put a record out for five years and be like, "Hey, here's a bunch of songs you already know because there's someone else's," uh, you know. So uh, I don't know. I, I I'd like to. Um, you know, I've got a lot of like kind of ideas and stuff for songs, but um, you know, in full disclosure, it's been a little while since I've 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 picked up a guitar. Um, it, so it, it I would need to um, I, I would need to do that and really kind of get in the zone again, like that, like I did when we did intolerance you know is there also the worry that you don't want to bring out something and then it not go down well and possibly like tarnish the name or is it just maybe because so much has changed in the industry maybe you know will anyone notice because i mean there's so much music now that you know it, it's easy for something to get lost in the stack oh for sure and you know that was kind of the thought process we had to have going into intolerance too and I, I had all these ideas for songs and I, I guess it was a, there was a point where I was just, I said, Hey, look, I've got all these songs that I know that I, I, uh, I, I'm passionate about. I know that, that I will be proud of. I am proud of, and it'll come together well in a recording. So, you know, I didn't give a shit if, if it was, if it didn't make a splash and I didn't expect it to either because I had no intention of, of jumping into tour van and, and, you know, pushing that. And really that's kind of what's required. If you want to get momentum out of your record, um, these, you know, uh, at any, I think for any band, um, you know, it's rare that you can just like, you know, I think that these, these pipe dreams of just writing this hit song, you know, especially like in metal and hardcore, that's going to just carry you into a tour you know, that's backward thinking and that's, that's putting the cart before a horse, you know, and you've got to, you've got to push that. You've got to get people exposed to that, especially now when there's so much, like you said, so much music out there and there's a lot of clutter, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, it's great. There's a lot of, you know, I guess new music, but um, to find something that, you know, you've got your pick of music out there, but you, you, 
it's like kind of finding a needle in a haystack to find something. And granted, I'm an old guy. So when I say that, it, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I listen to some of the same records I listened to 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, there's just, for me, there's not as much percentage wise. There's not as much good music as there was, you know, maybe 15 years ago, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's just cause there's so many bands and it's like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, 80% of them are not going to be good. It's just, it's just statistics, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, and I would never, I think at this phase too, just knowing, um, just knowing myself and knowing, you know, the band and, and kind of the people that have, you know, supported it over the years and the people that even gotten into it in more recent years. Um, it's funny too, because sometimes on social media, like on Twitter, somebody will tag the band and go, how have I never heard this band before? I'm like, I laugh and I'm like, hey, th-, you know, I always like the tweet or whatever. And I'm like, hey, thanks man. You know, and, and where were you 10 years ago? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's, I think knowing all those things, all these factors and components of the band, you know, now I, I, there's no way I would get to the point of going into a rec recording studio thinking that maybe it'll go over poorly in a way where it would tarnish things or, you know, not to say that the band has a legacy, but it definitely has a history. It's, it's, mm. you know, um, it, we put out a, you know, a decent amount of records and, uh, um, you know, I think that we were, we were part of a, a, a pretty specific time in, in like, uh, you know, American heavy metal and American hardcore. And, um, uh, yeah, at this point, there's no way I would, I would do something that would be in the wrong. And I've seen bands do that. I think that that's also a big helping factor is that like, I've seen that go down and I'm like, Oh, you should have <laughs> done this. You guys should have just <laughs> you know, stayed at home. Whatever you were doing, you should have kept doing that. This, this band did not need to do a reunion show or let alone the new record, which is, you know, kind of the thing now it's, but uh, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. It is. And you know what, especially in this climate of that being so popular now, um, and so many people will hit us up like, oh, when's Re- Throwdown going to do a, you know, a quote unquote reunion? It's like, yeah, the band never really broke up, but just never really kept going either. So, but, you know, it, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, I think enthusiasm for that. People seeing these bands that were nostalgic for them back in a certain era and, and they'll come back and they'll do this show and it's killer, you know? And it's like, oh, we haven't seen them in 10 years and the show's massive. And, and then then the guys get this kind of diluted idea that the band is going to like, like, you know, be propelled into this new level from there. You know what I mean? Like after having ran their whole course, ran after having ran its course and they're back in this reunion phase, then sometimes they want to like come back and they think that this is new life. And, and that's a, I think that's a big mistake and you can't make that as a, as a blanket statement because it is different for all these, for different bands. And, um, uh, I mean, one example I'll give where it, it, that's not the case is this band acceptance and they're way outside of the wheelhouse of, of, you know, metal and, and whatnot, but they, um, they were a band where I kind of knew the dudes, uh, they're from Seattle and they, a couple of them were into throwdown and I was super, the band was kind of like, um, it kind of had that, uh, it had a pop punk vibe to it, but it, ha- it, 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 it's, it, and I hate that term, but it's like, but there was dignity to it. It's, it's like it, they're they're a real fucking band of real musicians that have always done cool songs that are just like, you know, have this dignified pop kind of feel to them. And it, it's rock, you know what I mean? And and um and 
but at any rate, they, they came back after uh, I don't know how many years, uh, 10 or more, and, and did a record and started playing some shows. And they do things here and there. And, and, and I think that's kind of, you know, that's sort of the blueprint for it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. If there's really that much, you know, call for something to come back, then do it. And, and if people really want you to play shows, play a couple and see how it goes. But just don't get any misconceptions of the way it, it really is. Like, people want to relive that nostalgia they want to maybe see some old songs and um you know uh i, I it doesn't necessarily mean it's like breathing new life into an old band you know mm. well i mean if, if something happens it happens um new music exciting if you're going to do a covers album throw in my votes uh, africa and final countdown um dude africa is my favorite oh like no shit it is my i think i'm probably on a long list of people who will make the statement too, even metal dudes but africa is no joke maybe one of my top three favorite songs period amen and i actually just saw toto play um two weeks ago i took it was my daughter it was my daughter's first show actually we slapped the big uh yeah the big uh, headphones headphones Uh, yeah yeah and um and I got tickets on StubHub. I, I I paid probably more than I should have, but we sat second row and, and watched them at the fairgrounds uh, in the amphitheater over there, like right down the street. And it was killer. And oh. uh, I'll tell you what, I've always wanted to cover that song. Maybe not like a metal version, but um, find somebody that could actually sing like a lot better than I can and play guitar for a song like that. I I would be super into that. I think that it would go over like a bag of dicks for Throwdown fans, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've always personally wanted to do that because I love that song so much. And um, and you know what? I'll say as much as like the band this that uh, Weezer has changed kind of over the years and maybe put out some stuff that I would have rather not heard. I, I uh, they did that cover. I don't know if you knew yeah, that. Yeah, it, I enjoyed it. I didn't mind it. it. It was good. It was really good. And I and when I heard that, I was like, oh, I know exactly what this is going to sound like. And I went and I went on YouTube and put it on there and it was not what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't, it didn't have this hokiness to it that I thought it would like, it was a good version of the song. And it was funny because um, then Toto ended up doing, um, they, well, of course they closed with Africa, but their encore was a Weezer cover when I saw them. So, so they played uh, because they were stoked on them doing that cover on that tour. um, Yeah. They played, uh, they played hash pipe, which was, I mean, mm. I could probably pick a couple other Weezer songs I would have appreciated more, mm. uh, but um, but it was cool, like because that dude has pipes. I mean, mm. after all these years, like I don't know. For me now, when I when I hear a singer that is maybe kind of he's just sort of lost a little bit, or you know, it's like ah, he's older now. Of course, he's not going to sound the same. I honest to God, I, I I after seeing them play and that dude do what he did at his age, and I don't know what that age is, but I just know it's old. I don't have as much sympathy as for these guys that have maybe not taken care of their voice and they should have because this guy, I mean, knocked it out of the park. He sounded killer. And, um, you know, and and uh, I don't know. I, I just it, it, it was rad to see. And I, I was so stoked that they they didn't disappoint. You know, it was uh, it was cool. It's the first time I've seen the band, too. And, and they're and they're one that I've always you know, been, been pumped on. Oh, I'm so jealous. They're, they're coming to, they're coming to Australia for some new year's Eve shows, but they're festivals. And I mean, I'm in, uh, I'm in my mid thirties. I don't do th- festivals. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm super jealous, man. Um, so I wrap things up with a segment called pick your poison. So what we do here is I give you two options 
And you say which one, if you had to have only one for the rest of your life, that's the one you pick. So okay. some are easy and some will be a bit hard. So, ah, okay. Right. So you got, pe- right. I, think, I think I'm ready here. Pizza or burger? Oh, that's easy. Pizza uh, the rest of my life. I, I'm not eating, I'm not eating meat right now. Um, I, I, I haven't eaten meat for a, a, a couple few years. So, um, uh, veggie burgers are still not quite there yet. The Impossible <laughs> Burger is pretty good, but I tell you, it, it is not the same as a nice medium rare burger. So pizza, easy. I can get whatever I want on top of pizza. Okay. A brownie or a donut? Oh, donuts. I'm at a donut shop right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, where I, that's where I came with my wife and, and our kid. I get donuts like every weekend. Uh, um, not so much as recently because I'm getting fat, but I, I – uh, um, but yeah, no donuts for us in my life easily. I love brownies, but uh, yeah, donut butter and salt is the flavor they have from this place called Sidecar Donuts in Costa Mesa, and it's um, it sounds like a weird flavor, but it's got like a little bit of salt on the top, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like a buttery, just a buttery donut, and it's uh, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, donuts. Okay, cooking or dining out? Oh, dining out. Okay. I hate cooking. Good yeah. answer. Cinema or couch? Um, I think because I haven't been to the movies in four plus months now uh, of parenthood, I, I think that I would need, I like the movie experience. I, I would need that. I like movies, a bag of Sour Patch Kids, and and some peanut M&Ms. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, beach or snow? I'm, I'm spoiled. I live so close to the beach. Um... I don't get to see the snow very often. We don't get it here. Uh, I think if I, yeah, and I, and I sweat a lot. You know, I, I, I'm, I would need snow. I, I, as much as I live in a place with none of it, I think that if uh, I said I had to pick one, I, I, I would pick snow. Okay. Now, cat or dog? Oh, cat. I've got three cats. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've, wow. I've got a cat named Zero. He's an albino cat. Uh, with two different color eyes, like David Bowie, and um, he has diabetes. Actually, he's wow. he's uh, he's uh, twelve years old, and um, I have to give him uh, insulin twice a day. Ooh. And uh, uh, he's a good buddy of mine. So I'll, I'll have to say I, li- I like the other two cats too, but they were, um, but they they come in a distant second to um, uh, to zero. So uh, cat. Okay, Terminator or Predator? Predator. Oh, wow. That was easy. Wow. That was, oh, yeah. I love Terminator. Terminator was great. T2 was great. Um, I even kind of liked, what was the one with the, the other guy? And was then it, it was like the, was it? Salvation Gen- or Genesis? Salvation. Oh, okay. Salvation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was, that was even cool. But, um, oh, no, Predator, one of my top, for sure, action movies, uh, like top five. But, like, overall, yeah, Predator is fantastic. Okay, Sly or Arnie? Uh, Arnie. Okay. That was, ah, fuck, I don't know. God, you're right. These get these get progressively harder. Yeah, yeah. Is that the thing? Okay, I knew. <laughs> I, I feel like we're entering that territory now because th- 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 this is tough. I mean, on one hand, you've got Rocky, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Rambo, and uh, and on the other hand, you got like Kindergarten Cop, and ah. <laughs> 
I think I'm going to have to go with Arnie. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Star Wars. Okay. You and don't you know sound what? sure I, about I, that. I I love. I mean, I like the newer um, the newer Star Wars that came out uh, with uh, what's his, his name the one of the ten Chris's in Hollywood, Chris Pine. Oh. And uh, and but um, you know, I having li- having lived you know a good percentage of my adult life with people telling me I look like Spock. I gotta go with Star Wars. <laughs> you know. All right, now we're gonna get into some music ones. Okay. Okay. These, I, I think these will either be easy or hard. Slayer or Pantera. Oh, Pantera. I, I, I yeah. I, I never got to see Pantera live. Oh, that was the one thing I yeah. did get. I, I was lucky, but Phil was, yeah, uh, one of the weirdest <laughs> experiences I've ever had. Man, it was. Oh, yeah. I won't remember. Yeah. I won't forget that for a long time. Um, Metallica or Megadeth. Uh, Metallica, you know, and, and I'll, I want to say that with the caveat that I am, because I think that most people will pick Metallica. You have a very slim, I think, cross-section of, of fans of both that are like, you know, Mustaine, like, uh, you know, worshippers mm. that I think uh, will pick them. And I really like Megadeth, but and I think more recently, I'm more stoked on a couple of the records. I couldn't even name them for you if I tried, but the songs I've heard off of more recent records for Megadeth, I like more than more recent Metallica songs. But Metallica is just too important for me. I got to say Metallica. Okay. Uh, Terra or Madball? Ooh, ooh, that's hard. That's, yeah, that's the hardest that's, for me on this whole list. That's mean. That's borderline <laughs> mean to, to ask somebody to make that choice. Um, uh, you know, I mean, like, oh, fuck, if I had to choose one, I, um, God, I feel like you wouldn't have terror without Madball. And, and mm-hmm. I, I've got probably more history. We've done some tours with Madball and, 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 you know, got to rub elbows with those dudes on a, a couple of festival tours and stuff. And they're awesome. Um, uh, I have Madball in heavy rotation constantly. Um, but yeah. And, and, but you know, I mean, oh, fuck. But then I, I got to say Madball. I feel like, I feel like Vogel and Martine and Nick would want me to say Madball. Like they would be disappointed if I said terror. Like I'd, so I'm going to say Madball. Okay. Last one of the music ones, Sabbath or Van Halen? <sighs> Sabbath. And on a, kind of on the same principle as I, I – not that you wouldn't have Van Halen without Sabbath, but I'm saying I, I, Sabbath was too important in shaping so much other, so many other bands. Um, but I don't know. Are we talking about listening? Like I, I can't listen to one for the rest? Or, mm-hmm. or, or I wipe one from existence and the other one exists? What happened? As the, in you can only listen to one. Only listen to one, Van Halen. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, I've gotten super into. Um, I've been listening to. You know, I don't know. I think that like as you get older too, like, like you want to hear a song. I don't know. You know, when you're younger, you want to. If you're kind of in like sort of a, a shitty mood, you're like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this this song that was kind of written when someone was in a shitty mood and 
is going to make my mood shittier, but it's <laughs> sort of, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. what you want to hear. Mm. And it's like this self, like, I don't know if it's like self-loathing or what it is, but that's what you get from, you know, like, like met, like if, you know, if you're frustrated and, 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 or you're, you're just fucking furious at something and you need to drive away and you put the sugar on, that's probably not the best thing for your temperament, but <laughs> that's what feels good. You know what mm. I mean? But as you get older, I feel like now that I'm getting older, I'm like, all right, I'm in a shit mood. I think the responsible thing to do here is put Panama on, you know? Yeah, good and so, mm. so, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I, I listen to a lot more Van Halen now. It, it makes me feel, um, it, make, it makes you feel good, you know? Yeah. All right, last few here. There's three left. Now, mosh pit or up the back enjoying the show. Now, you've got to take into effect, um, we all know what we were like when we were younger. But what mm. would you prefer now? If let's say Hatebreed are playing and they're smashing out a set, are you going to get in the pit or are you going to stay up the back and enjoy it? Not, well, you're see, not you're using a pit. very specific example that I think might be an exception and not the rule. Because mm. if Hatebreed were playing and Under the Knife comes on or <laughs> Smash Your Enemies or any one of 275 songs that the band has, <laughs> I'm probably going to enter the pit briefly there's okay. a very short few there's a very short list of bands that i will risk my health to go into a 2018 mosh pit for and i i'd probably say hey breed um uh vision disorder um Ooh. uh yeah uh, mashuga i i pitted not that long ago to mashuga um crowbar nice um and uh uh, I don't know if I would pit to Slayer in 2018. I did in like 2016, maybe. But um, on the whole, I, I gotta say it's kind of nice. Like, if, and and sound wise too. In a lot of cases, if you find a nice spot in, you know, right by the soundboard, that's the best seat in the house. You know, mm-hmm. and and you can see more of the band. You can kind of like, I don't know, enjoy it in a different way. I mean, they're apples and oranges, but. Uh, as a man of advanced age, I would have to say sit standing in the back. Okay, now this one, I know, yeah, let's say go back to 2005. Did you prefer touring or recording? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, God. Um, I don't know because I think so much of the allure of recording was to be at home and not touring you know <laughs> but 2005 for example when we did vendetta we recorded that record out in western massachusetts so we weren't even home for that um i don't know i i i like the i like the end product of recording you know but it's kind of like recording's kind of like getting a tattoo you know it's it's there, there are some miserable points and there's some great conversation and there's some, you know, you know, you're working towards something cool and something that's permanent, but, but it's, it's kind of grueling and irritating and <laughs> for a good bit of it, you know, and it's a little monotonous uh, and it lasts, you know, upward of, you know, a month or two versus just a few hours um, touring. It's like, there's kind of like this repeated gratification of playing these shows and getting the response and, and, and kind of having that dynamic and interaction with, uh, with kids. And, and so I don't know, I, I would say back then touring for sure these days recording, cause it's get me 
out of my hometown for you know weeks on end you you're you're nuts <laughs> <laughs> okay now the last one is cd vinyl or downloading man uh I, I like the idea of I, I'm not one of these guys who like as old as I am, I didn't grow up in like the vinyl area era, you know, I mean, I, there were vinyl bands were putting vinyl out, but CDs were out, you know, mm. and then there was that lapse for a long time where people really didn't kind of care. And then now it's come back and it's huge, like mm. pressing plants, you know, you, they're, they're doing so much vinyl, I think because the standard is now downloading. But um, I, for me as a fan, I, I like, while I like the whole, there's a few bands where I would want to have all of it. Like I want to have whatever the experiences that they're intending. I want that, you know, what, like tool, for example, is one of, one of my favorite bands. If they were to put out this crazy vinyl package that cost, you know, 300 bucks, I'd be like, all right, uh, I guess that's what I'm buying, you know? <laughs> but, um, but I think on the whole, I like, um, I like streaming. I, I, I think that that's, uh, it's just so convenient and it's like as a fan i'm super stoked that i can like bounce around so easily and, and pick up you know listen to whatever i want at any given point in time it's just you can't beat that you know convenience wise and the, the sound quality i mean if you're talking about like like from you know you'll have audio files that'll tell you that you know vinyl sounds you know warmer and more and better overall and that the quality is there or whatever and you'll have people that tell you that they can hear the difference between aif AIFF file and a MP3, um, but uh, you know I, I I don't know I, I like uh, I like digital I, I like I like streaming I think it's great. Um, Dave, that was so much fun, dude! Like it went above and beyond um, my expectations, and um, really really thankful and appreciative um, that you were able to spare a bit of time for me, man. Oh hey man, no, I, I, you know my pleasure, and uh, honestly I, I'm stoked that uh, for me it's it's such a huge treat that. Um, you know, I like I, I could, you know, a record like we talked about has been out for five years almost, and um, there's not a lot going on with the band, but you know, it it really kind of reminds you that um, you know, uh, it, it's important enough for that that to to talk about this, you know, that that what you did is important enough to talk about it, you know, years later or whatever, and and um, uh, important enough to people uh, out there, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's really uh, gratifying for me. So I, I really appreciate it, man. It, it, it's, it means a lot. Oh, um, so much love and respect, dude. Like, really, really, really thankful. So that was my chat with Dave of Throwdown. Absolute legend. Thank you so much, Dave, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. Now, guys, if you're at home and you haven't heard who Throwdown are, wow, I'd be really surprised. But they've got plenty of music online. Make sure you jump on Spotify and iTunes and rip into some of those tunes. Thank you again, Dave. Much love. Much appreciated. And that's it for the Mosh Zone episode 35. We are wrapped up. We're in the can. Done for this week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you've had a great time listening. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for sparing us your time. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you found it informative and entertaining, and I hope you come back in future episodes. If you're a regular listener, 
Thank you as always for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Now, guys, if you've got time this week, help us grow the show. Help us spread the word about the show. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbours. Tell anyone you know that likes heavy music about the Mosh Zone. Also this week, if you've got time, help us out. Share the podcast on your social medias. Share it on Instagram. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Help us grow this show. Help us grow the Mosh Zone community. Also, guys, don't forget, make sure you've subscribed to the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. And also, don't forget to like and follow our social medias. All of those are at The Mosh Zone on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's it. No more rambling by me. That is The Mosh Zone episode 35 done. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the press.